We have all been there. Every one of you has been there. Either approaching or standing at that crossroads of asking the big question. You know the one. Four words. The big question that comes across everyone's mind at one time or another. And for some, it comes several times, some more than others. It's that interrogatory moment of uncertainty when we're faced with having to make an important choice. Not just any choice, but an important choice. And for some, that dip, choosing is pretty difficult. Some of us uh, do research to figure out what we should do, but we know we want to make the best decision. So we swallow hard, take a deep breath, and repeat the question one more time. What should I order? <laughs> now, it's not, listen, that is not an easy thing. I was at Regional Chorus Festival uh, this week to see some of my friends that I used to teach with. went to breakfast with them at IHOP. The menu is extensive. I I mean, there are at least seven or eight omelet options. I didn't even look at the pancake options. Page after page of food. The good thing about it, though, is that there's a picture of every dish. So if you can't read, you can just look at the waitress and say, I want this one. (laughs) Unless you're the, the kind of person that always orders the same thing at a restaurant... Ordering food could be a stressful situation, and we know that deep inside that as important as making a good choice as a restaurant is, such choices pale in comparison to other choices we must make. And we find ourselves asking questions like these. Where should I go to school? What do I want to do with my life? What should I do? What can I do? What's my passion? What job should I try? What's my dream job? Where should I live? Who should I marry? Should I marry? Can I serve God without being a pastor or a missionary? What does God want me to do? Those are all big questions. And there's a whole lexicon of other ones, aren't there? Like, what's God's will for my life? What are you saying to me right now? We make it complicated. We make it complicated. Now, when we're younger, some of the choices are not ours to make, right? Um, Chores, responsibilities, for example, those are assigned to us, and it's our job to do them in a timely manner. Our parents are the job assigners, and they're the ones making the choices. And ideally, if everybody did their thing and did their duties, the management of the home would be reminiscent of a well-oiled machine, right? Every room, every bedroom would be cleaned, The laundry would always be done and folded. The dishes would be getting done. Stuff would be cleaned up. It would just work great. How many of you live in a home like that? Uh, How many? A few people who live like by themselves might put their hand up. But if you live with other people, chances are some of that stuff, maybe a lot of that stuff falls through the cracks. When we're learning in school, there are other situations where our teachers and our coaches make choices for us. Uh, We're assigned a position to play on the team. Um, We receive notice 
based on our audition as to what our role is going to be in the upcoming show. We have homework given to us. Projects are assigned. And in these and other areas, we sometimes are allowed to choose some of what we, we want to do. But we all know one thing. Bad decisions lead to bad consequences. And good decisions lead to good consequences. As a church, the best decisions we make after coming to Christ are those decisions to live in such a way as to influence those around us that the gospel, the good news, contains the answers for everything in life. That in the pages of the Bible, we will find clear directives to reconnecting people with God. And once we're connected with God, our lives have a clearly defined purpose, one that Pastor Tim spelled out in these words. Let's read them together. I am a servant of the Most High God. And the key word that describes you and I in that statement is servant. Servant. And what do servants do? They serve. Okay? So we're, we've been in a series that Pastor Tim is calling Step Up and Serve. And I've titled today's message Pegs and Holes. And I want us to consider this question. Where do I fit? Now, before we get into answering that question, I want to share a story with you that some of you have probably heard before. It, it's, a, it's an interesting and clever tale about what can and sometimes does happen in an organization like a church. This story is about four people. Everybody. Somebody anybody, and nobody. Now, there was an important job to be done. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> now, did you keep that all straight? That's what happens when we don't work together. That's what happens when we don't communicate. Some important things don't get done. One area that we here at OCCA are striving to do better is caring for people who are incapacitated due to surgery or illness. When I was born a while ago, my mother was allowed to sit up and dangle her legs over the bed after nine days had passed. Nowadays, largely because of insurance, I think, hospitals are sending people home, like, immediately. Right? Um, our daughter-in-law had the baby, had her last baby, and was home in time for dinner. The same day. I mean, she didn't even spend the night. 
most of us, after an experience like that, don't have someone bringing us menus to choose what we want and have someone to prepare it and bring it to us. And when you have the flu and you're down, cooking for yourself or your family probably isn't too high on the list of things you feel like doing. So if you get a call to make a meal for someone, know that you're helping somebody and helping to make sure that we're caring for someone who needs our help. Paul spoke about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one of the chapters we're going to be really camping on this morning, when he explained why God put the body together. In verse 24, it opens with those exact words. God put the body together so that there should be no division, but that its parts should have equal concern, equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part's honored, every part rejoices with it. All you have to, know, to do in life to know that this is true is have a sore foot. Anybody have a sore foot ever? What is that like? I mean, doesn't it, like, aren't you miserable? It's awful. Or have a toothache. I mean, it doesn't bother you. I remember the Three Stooges when they were trying to get rid of the tooth, right? Guys, somebody would kick, one of them would kick the other one or step on their foot. And they'd be standing there like this going, ah, and say, well, see, you forgot about your tooth. <laughs> one thing going wrong messes us all up. And, and that's true in life. And it's why we need to take care of each other. Teamwork is important. Teamwork is important because it's true that together everyone accomplishes more. You see the word team there? I even colored it up front so you didn't have to think. We're working together. Listen, working together is only one part of the story. No football team would do very well if it didn't have players that possess certain abilities. As the Patriots know, you can't depend on a quarterback to catch the ball. <laughs> right? The Eagles don't know that. Yay. <laughs> Linemen, they're generally the big guys. They don't run fast or jump high. But they're important because they're keeping the other big guys from knocking somebody else over. Everybody's got a job. Everybody's got a role. Paul talks to us about this thing in another part in 1 Corinthians 12. Starting at verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason Stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 
But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Mother Teresa had something to say about this, although I don't think she was speaking specifically about this. But here's what she said. I can do things you cannot. You can do things I cannot. But together, we can do great things. We are all important. Paul is reminding us that each of us has a part in this. In, in the church, we all have a part. Together, we make the body of Christ. Now, our culture says that some people are more important than others. And that notion, unfortunately, carries over sometimes into the church. And many of us think we're unworthy or unequipped or to be involved in any meaningful way. The idea of pursuing Jesus Christ and proclaiming His kingdom. I can't do that proclaiming thing. I'll pursue Christ on my own, but but I, I I don't really know how to communicate this other thing. I'm not trained. I'm not equipped. Some of us wish we could do better, and, and some of us wish we were like someone else, perhaps. If that's you, let me share some wisdom that came to me in an email this week. Wanting to be someone else is a waste of the person that you are. Kurt Cobain. Now, Kurt Cobain was a drug addict and he died from an overdose. He was a rock and roller. Probably didn't know anything or have much regard for God. I really don't know because I didn't know him or know his heart. But I can guarantee you that there probably aren't many churches in the world quoting Kurt Cobain this morning (laughs) because of who he was. But this didn't come to me from Kurt Cobain. It came to me from, from a guy who had this to say. This dude was messed up, but he managed to grasp a truth that escapes many of us. (laughs) Give credit where credit is due. (laughs) Oh. This is an example of how God's truth can come from unexpected places. In John's words, we see the truth in the statement that Kurt Cobain made. And although we may think we're not necessary or that we should be like someone else, Mother Teresa's words, I can do things you cannot, you can do things I cannot, and together we can do great things. Those echo Paul's words and they remind us who we are. We're all important and we're all needed. So let's get back to the question I asked you earlier. Okay? Where do I fit? Now, I want you to read this, but I want you to read it with an emphasis on the first word. Ready? Set? Go. Where do I fit? Now, read it again, but put the emphasis on the second word. Where do I fit? Now, the third word. Where do I fit? 
And finally, the last word. Where do I fit? Now, God's word's clear. We're not just important and needed, but we're gifted. We're gifted. God gives us gifts so that we can fit together. So that we can fit together. What's my gift? Uh, It would be awesome to have a burning bush experience to answer that question, right? I mean, when Moses talked to God at the burning bush, God was telling him what to do, but Moses didn't think he had the gifting to do it. And that wasn't true, as it turned out. As Pastor Tim mentioned, we have the word of God to be our burning bush. So to find the answer, we're going to look at what Paul writes to us in three different places. So if you want to flip over to Ephesians 4, we're going to start there. Chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. So Christ himself gave. Those are important words. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Do you see what Paul's saying there? Christ gave us the gifts and they are to be apostles, Uh, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? Why those five things? To equip his people for works of service. What, What do servants do? Serve. And what they do is service. So these are to equip us for service. Okay, the second passage is in 1 Corinthians 12. There are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit, a message of wisdom to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another, by the same Spirit to another, faith by the same Spirit to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another, miraculous powers to another, prophecy to another, distinguishing between Spirits to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, discernment, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Those are the gifts that Paul mentioned in this letter to the the Corinthian church. Now let's go to Romans chapter 12. Beginning in the third verse. For by the grace given me, I say 
to every one of you. We're going to stop there. Did he say, I say to some of you? Did he say, I say to a few of you? Did he say, I say to those of you who are ready? No, he says, I say to every one of you, do not think yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Not God has distributed to some of you or a few of you, but to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's in giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. What do we know from this? In Romans, we find prophecy, serving, teaching, encouragement, giving, leading, mercy. God's designed us differently. He's given us different gifts. And He's gifted us to accomplish His work. So we have an obligation to, to find out what those gifts are and then to use them in His service. Well, how do you find that out? Well, before, before I answer that question, let me remind you of this. There are two kinds of gifts. One kind is mentioned in these passages. These are referred to as spiritual gifts. They are interpersonal in nature. They are given to us to care for one another, to influence one another, to correct one another, to serve one another. They cannot be improved upon because they originate from God and as He sees fit and is gi are given as He sees fit to give them to us. God uses the gift of wisdom and knowledge, prophecy, preaching, and teaching to speak His words of life or correction into someone else's life or instruction. He uses the gift of mercy in situations where people need assistance. And, and the gifts of administration and faith are used to guide a body or a person into service. Leaders do not make followers. They make other leaders. Isn't that what discipleship is about? God said, go and make disciples. Well, who gets to make the disciples? Someone who's already a disciple. So disciples are disciple makers. Leaders should be developing other leaders. As we become more attuned to the Holy Spirit, we'll become more aware of opportunities to use our spiritual gifts. And as we use them, we'll have a confirmation in our spirit that the effectiveness of them is divinely empowered. Look at this verse. 
All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He distributes them to each one just as He determines. What's this verse saying to us? That there is a unity of purpose coming from God by the gifting from the Holy Spirit. And He will deal out those gifts the way He knows is best. The way He knows is best. If we were all the same, if I was like my wife, who would have cleaned up the vomit? Right? I mean, that's not her thing, believe me. She'll do it if she has to. But it's tough. Are any of you like that? Yeah. Well, is there somebody else there that'll do it? Uh huh. <laughs> Carol, Carol's pointing to Brian. It's the replay of us, you know? But isn't that, the, isn't that the truth? It's the truth. We're not all able to do everything the same way. We're not all able to do the same, th things the same way. The second kind of gifts are talents. Oh, look at that. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. Okay? So you can't look at somebody else and say, man, I wish I had their gifting. Guess what? You don't. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means that you're different. And if you want to be, if you want to have the same impact that you perceive that person having, you know what you have to do? Get up off the couch and use your gift. Do something with it. Okay, second kind. Spiritual gifts we talked about. They're listed primarily in those three places. Here's the other thing. Talents and skills. These gifts can be developed with practice. A person who has the gift of wisdom, you can't practice having the word of wisdom. But you can sure practice woodworking, metalworking, and music, and cooking, and sewing, hospitality. In Exodus... People are commissioned to perform tasks necessary to build the tabernacle and to build the things in the tabernacle and to, and to make clothing. Okay? There's some, there's some passages there. These are all listed at the bottom of your insert. Some of you picked up bulletins before I got here, um, so you might not have the insert. There's some extra ones out there on the windowsill by the office, so if you want to take them, all the scriptures are listed there. Um, in Exodus 36, let's look at this. Just a, this is just one example, and there are many. So, um, Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord commanded. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. You see, you see that God gave you that ability. Believe me, there are things you don't want me. When Pastor Tim, when we were getting to know him, and he was saying, you know, he, was, he had already accepted the call. He says, look, I've got to sell this house in Dubois, and there's some work done over there. And listen, you don't want me doing it. <laughs> you know? So, so some of us have gone over and helped him do things that he didn't feel like he could do. 
Can you think of some things that you're just not equipped to do? Or are you one of the people that are like a true renaissance person and you can do everything? None of us are that way. And if we think we are, we above all people are to be pitied. <laughs> we above all people are to be pitied. Okay? It says, every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and, here's the second half of it, who was willing to come and do it. You find out what your gifts are by doing something. Confirmation will come. It'll come from the Holy Spirit and it'll come from other people. I can't tell you how many people start their college experience as an education major and when they have the actual opportunity to stand in front of a classroom, they realize, I am in the wrong place. You know anybody like that? You know anybody like that? And I mean, it only took, you know, $20,000 to find that out. God will confirm it for you and others will confirm it for you. There's nothing wrong. Listen, this is important. There's nothing wrong with trying something, trying to do something for God and, and not being super effective in it. Um, I, I remember when we first came here, Darvin Howard was the pastor. We didn't have a youth worker. We didn't have like a youth leader. And he stood up here and he said, we need a youth leader. But we don't want you doing this if you're like feeling like, well, somebody should do it, I'll step up and do it. He said, we want somebody to do this that God is equipped to do it. How wise was that? How wise was that? Because, it, it, and what he did was he says, so for, for, the, for the time being, we're going to put the youth on hold. We're going to postpone until God picks somebody to do it. That was a hard thing, I'm sure, for the youth to hear. And I'm sure it was a hard thing for some people to hear who think, we can't let the youth not have a leader. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know? Do what, you, what God's equipped you to do. Let him plant you in that spot and then bloom where you're planted. It's okay if you're not super effective, if you're trying something. Just recognize that you're not gifted in that area. Keep praying. Keep listening. Keep trying other things. And confirmation of how you do fit, it will come, I promise you. We're all important. We're all needed. We're all gifted. And we're all different. I didn't have the right order there, did I? Here's a quick story about being different and how our American education system has sometimes acted. It comes from a guy named George Reeves, Revis who was the superintendent of Cincinnati Public Schools. The animals organized the school to help their children deal with the problems of the new world. And to make it easier to administer the curriculum of running, climbing, swimming, and flying, they decided that all children would take all the subjects. This produced some very interesting issues. The duck was excellent in swimming, but relatively poor in running. So he devoted himself to improving his running through extra practice. Eventually, his web feet got so badly worn that he dropped to only average in swimming. But average was acceptable in this school, so nobody worried about that except the duck. 
The rabbit had a nervous breakdown because the other animals said she looked like a rat when she jumped in the water for swimming class and all her hair got matted down. In the climbing class, the eagle beat all the others to the top of the tree but kept insisting on using his own method of getting there. This was unacceptable, so the eagle was severely disciplined. And then the fish came home from school and said, Mom, Dad, I hate school. Swimming is great. Flying is fun if they let me start in the water. But running and climbing, I don't have any legs. And I can't breathe out of the water. The fish's parents made an appointment for her with the principal, who took one look at her progress report and said, You are so far ahead of the rest of the class in swimming that we're going to let you skip swimming and give you private tutoring in running and climbing. The fish was last seen heading for Canada to request political asylum. <laughs> let the fish swim. Let the rabbits run. Let the eagles fly. We don't want us to be a school of average ducks. That was the moral of the story. You know what? We don't want to be a church of average servants but we want to be a church of servants. 1 Corinthians again. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? What's the answer to those questions? No. I'm going to read them again. You answer them. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now look what he writes next. Look at this next line. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Exercising your gifts and talents allows you to become the fullest expression of who you were created to be. Let me say that again. Exercising your gifts and talents allows you to become the fullest expression of who you were created to be. Remember, Together, everyone accomplishes more. I used to tell my students and the athletes that I coached that they will never be together again like they are right now. That's us. That's us too. Each time we gather, each time we worship, each time we serve, we are being the church. We are not a stagnant, stiff mass of people who are more worried about keeping their identity than about making a difference. But an alive, flexible, needs-meeting, outreaching, caring community who sacrificially involves themselves in the lives of those who need a, a loving touch. Did you catch that last verse? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. You know that that's the last verse in 1 Corinthians 12. Guess what's next? 
1 Corinthians 13 that we commonly call what? The love chapter. The love chapter. Because working together won't be effective if love isn't at the heart of our efforts. Look what Paul writes in Romans. Love must be sincere. This is right after he's gone through and said all about these gifts and things and the body. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. In love. I should have highlighted that red too. I missed it. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it's written, I will, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil. Be not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't you like to know that what you do is making a difference? And not just any difference, but an eternal difference. Wouldn't you like to know that? You will know that when you're exercising your gifts and talents and using them to influence others for the gospel. Ephesians chapter 4. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. Who's that? Who are the parts? You and me. If we're going to step up and serve, we can't be a square peg in a round hole. We've got to do what God gave us equipment to do we got to find what that is and we can't just be in the rut of okay it's sunday morning i'm going to go to school or go to church check that one off find a way to get involved there are things that this church wants to do but we're short on manpower sometimes sometimes we're not short on manpower the thing is, if we're all working together and we, we're communicating about what the needs are, isn't, isn't it written in there that many hands make light work? 
Yeah. Yeah. We had one of these things on the lights up here fall off some time ago. I don't even know when it was. But Terry figured out a way to keep that from happening. And he and Keith and I came this week and, and put these little tabs on all the lights. If you look real close, you can see them. They stick out like that to hold that lens in place. It meant we had to get rather large ladders to get up there. Okay? So the three of us carried the ladder from the shed in here. We moved some chairs out of the way and got the thing set up. And Terry goes up and he's fixing things. And our ladders are such that you can go up both sides at once. I mean, two people go up. You can't go up both sides at once. <laughs> but two people can. So I started going up the other side of the ladder, meeting Terry at the top, and we were getting done quicker. And, and Keith said, I'm glad you guys can do that. I, that is not me. That is not me. I, I don't do that. I can't do that. We're different. Don't be a square peg in a round hole. Find your gifts and step up and serve. Together, everybody accomplishes more. Okay? Let's, uh, let's stand. We're, we're going to have a closing song. Um, and I want to encourage you and challenge you. If you're not sure what you can do, if you're not sure what you can do, pick something. And, and, and find someone to talk to. Say, you know what? I think I could maybe do this. Or I'm willing to give this a try. That's the first thing. Be willing to do it. And then just ask God, where, where do I fit in? He will tell you.